coming straight from the cockpit. It's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go. All right, back into the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void. I've actually got somebody in the can with me. That's right. People actually come and sit in a toilet with me and tell stories. It's awesome. Uh, This next one's got uh, a couple of definitely interesting stories to tell. So, who the fuck are you? What do you do? Well, uh, I'm Nicole Smith Ludwig, a.k.a. Junior's wife. That seems to be what I'm called the most these days. All right. And I'm a professional skydiver. I'm a tandem instructor, AFF instructor, uh, pro-rated, and um, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Got all the bells and whistles. Pretty much. Very cool. And you're married to Junior, so that means that you're uh, um, at least slightly more tolerant than some people I know. Tall or tolerant? Both. Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Both. both. For anybody that's listening that doesn't know who Junior is, doesn't know who Nicole is. They've been living under a rock. (laughs) They're very mismatched in, um, let's call it altitude. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's accurate. Uh, she's sure. just a fuckload taller than him. And I've told them that the greatest Halloween costume in the world would be Gandalf and Frodo. And that's exactly what we're going as for awesome. Halloween this year. I need help finding a white wig. I have been looking for one. I've been scouring the internet and I can't find one that does it justice. Awesome. Fucking Gandalf. Yeah. And again, she's the tall one. So she's going to be Gandalf. We just got to find. <laughs> Actually, I don't even know if Junior's feet are hairy or not. So they definitely aren't, but we can probably make them look a little yeah, worse than they do. Yeah, a little hairy stuff and get him some goofy ears, put him in a little plaid vest and shit. It's going to be cute. Yeah. Yeah, I think he so. He already looks like a little kind of a um, um, Lucky Charms guy. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's pretty sexy, though. Yeah. He's got a great smile. So. Well, I'd do him. Yeah, for sure. I I'd, may have. I'd I've been. I've been. <laughs> I've been on many vacations. That one and, time in Bali, Dean. Yeah, Can we not bring that up? I've done a lot of <laughs> stupid shit with Junior, so I may have without knowing it. So wait, what was the what was the summer called? The Dodge. Uh, it was Cox the tour? Dodging Cox two thousand and. 2000 and something. That was that was before we got married, so it was okay. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, that was that was quite. <laughs> and I think Junior and I have covered that to some degree on on this podcast already. But uh, yeah, PM me for anybody that wants more more info. <laughs> so uh, you, you do all this skydiving shit. You jump out of airplanes and you married one of the top canopy pilots on the planet. How did you get started with extreme stuff? I mean, you already clearly weren't scared of altitude from a young age because you are altitude. So yeah, how, right. How did you get started in all this? Well, funny story. Actually, it's kind of bland. My late husband bought me a tandem skydive for my 22nd birthday. Okay. And it's something that I had always wanted to do. I've always had a daredevil spirit. And I, yeah, so he bought that for me. And I went out to, gosh, it was ASC in Atlanta in Dirty August South. 2007. Yeah. And I got introduced to Noah Bonson. That was the guy that flew my video. Uh, and then I got introduced to Junior. Junior was my tandem instructor. Funny so, enough. So Junior, world champion world swooper. World champion swooper. And Noah, world champion wingsuiter. Yeah, man. Were your first introduction to Sky. It was the dream team for sure. That's not bad. It yeah, Noah's cool. kind of sexy too. Yeah, that like there's still I have a part of the video you can see Noah's arm and it's just this hairy Chewbacca looking arm that's in the video. I, I can't help it. You I know, can't he, help but laugh. <laughs> he, he, he actually once gave me shit for my manscaping habits. Really? While he was in a tank top. <laughs> 
sporting all that hair. And I'm like, all right. I'll <laughs> yeah, go ahead, man. Go ahead. All right. So you did your very first ever tandem with Noah and Junior. Yeah. Wow. It was pretty freaking cool. Um, it, I, I love this because I was super nervous whenever I met Junior. I, I, I have the tendency to be completely quiet when I have a lot going on. What? I, Fuck you. I, I You're quiet? God, I, completely silent. If I am ever quiet, I swear to God, I am shitting my pants. I've never seen you shit your pants then. You, no. Thankfully, I, I, I limit that to once or twice a year only. Right, so. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Because <laughs> you are one of the few people on the planet that can actually keep up with me in the won't shut up department. I have my moments. Yeah. We For both talk sure. a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So anyway, keep going. You were so, you were silent. Yeah. So I was silent, and Noah's trying to get me to talk on this video, and I don't want to. He's like, "We're halfway up." I'm like, "Yeah, that's cool, man." And I'm looking out the window of the airplane, and I'm contemplating, "What am I doing? Why am I in an airplane? Why am I going to get out? Why am I doing a skydive? This makes no fucking sense at all." <laughs> so. Fast forward, we get to the door of the airplane. And I actually should preface this part of the story with my grandfather, God bless him. He is a Baptist minister, very religious man. Okay, so, all right, so I get to the door of the airplane and Noah climbs out. He's trying to get me to look at the camera. And I have like my hands on the bar and I let go of the bar of the otter. And you can clearly see me say, oh shit. Nice. Plain as day, what's getting ready to happen? And then the count and out, and we're in free fall, and I'm having. The most amazing time of my life. Mm. I'm super stoked. We get under canopy and I'm freaking out. It's just a lot of fun. And then we land. And as soon as we land, Noah comes up to me. He was like, would you ever do it again? I'm like, yes, absolutely. I'm going to do this again. Nice. Fast forward. So I'm showing my mom and dad and my grandparents this video. And we get to the part where I'm standing in the door of the airplane. Mm. And you can see me say, oh, shit. And my grandfather goes, what did you just say? Exactly what you think I said. Oh shit, for sure. Hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. But anyway, that's how I got into skydiving. I uh, that actually reminds me of a, a lady that I took on. I didn't take her on the skydive. I actually shot the video, and this is way back when I was first getting started shooting videos. And uh, she was very um, quiet, reserved, maybe like you, but uh, um, high button shirt, very, very conservatively dressed, and and uh, struck me as a very religious type, and just barely said boo you tried to i tried to get her on the on the tape to say stuff and she wouldn't really engage very much and you could tell she was just very very reserved and so we get on a jump run and again she hasn't said shit through the entire plane ride and and she's just not engaging so i'm thinking this is going to be one of those jumps where i'm just going to entertain myself on the way down and it's a ready set go and i see the top of the rig is as they're exiting and as i fly up to her she is fuck yes fuck yes <laughs> flipping double birds and cussing up a storm all the way down the whole free fall i don't think she said one thing that wasn't foul wow all the way and i land and uh, and uh, danny coon at the time was was DK. yeah dk okay. was shooting video at the time and and so i land next to danny's so i was a jump and i'm like that was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. She just lost her shit. So as they come in to land, she, they land, she gets unhooked standing up. And so I'm expecting her still to be going ape shit. And I'm like, how was that? Oh, that was very nice. Thank you. 
<laughs> Adrenaline is a heck of a drug, isn't it? Fucking Sybil. Well, the, the parachute <laughs> apparently was just mellow enough for her to get her senses back together and go back to this, you know, very uptight lady. But, oh, my wow. God, she lost her shit in I wonder fall. if she showed that video to her family. I'm guessing not because <laughs> I, I could hear her in free fall. It wasn't lip reading. It was double oh, birds. and best. Fuck, yeah. Oh, yeah. She just lost her shit. So first jump in the Dirty South with the Dream Team. Yeah. And you knew you were going to do it again. Yeah, for sure. 100% new. I didn't know when, but I knew I was going to When did jump number two happen? Well, I did four tandems, uh, mainly because I was chicken to Mm. do AFF. I didn't have the time or the money, and I was just so busy with work that I didn't do um, AFF until 2011. Okay. Yeah. That's still a while ago. Yeah, it is a while ago. It's amazing sure. how quick it gets behind you, isn't it? It is. I was just talking to Ron Bell about that today. Time just absolutely flies in the sport. Yeah. Well, especially in something like skydiving because it's so next level. It is. You know? I mean, it's so over the top. And especially when you have just this cascade of experiences that just seem to keep topping the last ones that you swore could never be topped. It is true. So you you did your first jump there. Did you do all those tandems there in AFF? No, I did. Um, goodness, it was three tandems at ASC in Atlanta, and then I did one in Hawaii. Not a bad spot. No, it was beautiful. Absolutely right. gorgeous experience. So you did the AFF where? I did the AFF at Scott at the Farm, which was the competitor to ASC. So they literally are practically in the same town. They sure. share the same runway. In some cases, they share a little bit of the airspace. So, yeah, basically just across the street. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what were you doing for a living? I mean, what was life like outside of jumping out of an airplane? At that point in 2011, I was basically uh, – Running a multi-million dollar specialty retail company in in Georgia and Alabama. So you were deep into the real world. I was. 100% corporate life. Um, 60, 70 hours a week, just and 26 weeks a year on the road. And I liked it, but some things had happened in my life. My my uh, my husband that had bought me the, the tandem skydive, he passed away in 2010. And that just kind of set my world into a tailspin. Mm. And I figured, like, I had I continued to go back to the thought of skydiving as that is just what made sense to me. It it, it was exciting, and it, I just, I don't know, for those those minutes, I just felt completely alive, and I don't know, just well, nothing could bother me. Nothing could reach me. So did something I, I like that, that. Uh, especially because it was after your husband, did it uh, kind of, uh, I mean, for me, something like skydiving was always the, that's the 60-second uh, uh, miracle forget drug. Yeah, it's exactly what happened. Like, And like I said, with that really hectic corporate life, for the time that I was in the airplane until the time that I landed, no one could get in touch with me. And that was fantastic. Mm. You know, my cell phone couldn't ring. I couldn't get a message on my phone about some some crisis that was happening or an email that I had to respond to. So those were 20 minutes of just sheer bliss for me. It's amazing how uh, um, how much worrying about being able to make a left turn <laughs> right? can calm down the whole rest of your life. All right, fuck. How do I – I got to make a left turn, yeah. then I got to make a right turn, then I got to check the handle, then I got to look at my look altimeter. My alt- yeah. And it's amazing that <laughs> nothing exists bes- beside touching a little piece of plastic yeah. and dipping your elbows and looking at a gauge on your hand. Yeah. That's it. That becomes your entire fucking world. It's total Buddha shit when you think about it. 
It is completely surreal. They, I mean, it is in that moment you were living 100% in those 60 seconds. In the moment, There's yeah. nothing in the world like it. That was, uh, that's actually how I decided that it was time to take a break from skydiving was when I found myself in free fall pissed off about shit that had happened on the ground. Yeah. And I went, oh, I'm actively thinking about the fact that I'm mad about this bill or I'm pissed at that person. Maybe my focus isn't where it should be. Yeah. I think I'm going to take a break. Yeah, it's probably time for a reset. Yeah, because it wasn't that I wasn't uh, nervous or or, um, I use the word scared when it comes to skydiving. And people don't like to use that word. But fear is a very important part of skydiving. I agree. At least it is in my career. Fear has kept me alive for a long, long time. It's true. I think anybody that doesn't – I I, I use the word respect. But fear has – it is is a little bit of fear. And without that, in my opinion, I feel like people get complacent. Sure. That's what kills people in this sport is complacency. Unfortunately, the word fear has very negative connotations. Primarily, it's very, very negative connotations. Everything that you – as soon as you say fear, people think it's bad. I don't think of it that way. Fear has always been a very positive aspect of my life because fear has motivated me to continue to be safe. It hasn't kept me from doing shit that scared me. If anything, it just made me hyper aware that, okay, what you're doing is not necessarily the safest thing ever. You should have a little fear. There's a big difference. And I think this is where people fuck it up. Uh, There's a big difference between fear and panic. Yes. Very, very different things. And your average Joe Blow thinks about skydiving that's never jumped before, and they take the word fear and they think panic. I agree with that. Very, very different thing. Panic is freaked out, no concept of what's going on, I can't cope. Fear is, okay, shit, this is fucking real, I better better be on point. Right. And I think that's a big, big difference for sure. So yeah, I can I can see how, especially if you've if you dealt with tragedy and you had a rough time or not rough time with work, but it was just overloading. That being able to uh, harness that to step out of it must have been nice. It was fantastic. I, it didn't take long after I started AFF that I realized I just wanted to kind of get into skydiving full time. So, what what did the family think about? The, you starting jumping. I mean, that's that's not, and we're not just talking about uh, um, uh, a male female thing. Although that's clearly part of it. I would be a much more protective of a daughter than a son and that kind of thing. But you're also a, you know, I mean, a Southern belle, so to speak. So that's George Peach territory. <laughs> I am a Georgia Peach. They took my bell card a long time ago. I like to use the F word way too much for that. <laughs> Fucking a. Fucking a. Fuck that's a. good. That's good. Yeah. But I mean, uh, not exactly the stereotypical peach kind of activity it's not and my parents they my mom is more worrisome than my dad she i don't know she likes to think of everything that can go wrong my grandparents are the same way my dad is like you know what if it's making you happy then go for it go enjoy it and um i don't i don't know they really didn't start taking me seriously until i'd been in the sport i don't know full time for about a year Hmm. and then they were like yeah okay well maybe this is going to stick around for a while so you 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 got through your aff and just became a um were you a a a regular fun jumper a crazy avid fun jumper was it every spare moment at the drop zone and was it just the jumping or was the social scene a draw as well so there is a huge gap in this that i that i would have to talk about first Hmm. so when i first started AFF. So this was January 2011. I went through AFF and and the winters in Georgia, they were brutal, man. There was snow and ice on the ground when I was doing AFF. It was like negative 10 degrees Fahrenheit Mm. at altitude. It was cold. Um, So I did that and I got, um, I got, it took me until June 
Um, it had about 34 skydives at this point, you know, not, not too many. Um, but then, uh, like I actually started dating my AFF instructor, February. Mm. <laughs> so from February until, so until you were, June. you were becoming a real skydiver. I, I was becoming a real skydiver. That's how it happened. <laughs> it is. It is. Oh, oh. So, so yeah, I fell in love with my AFF instructor, Jeremy, and we started dating. And that was the first guy that I had dated after my late husband passed away. And I was just, I was head over heels. I was kind of finding my groove. And there was a boogie at Scott of the Farm, which was the Good Vibes boogie. Mm. And what a weekend. It, and just in true farm fashion, any of the boogies that they did were always a good time. But I had a, a hangover that uh, was a force to be reckoned with. So I didn't go to work the Monday after the Good Vibes boogie. And, you know, just kind of went around with Jeremy, went on a picnic, had a great day. And then on the way home... Um, we were in a car accident. Mm. Um, a guy ran a red light. Um, we were going through a green light. We were the third car through and he T-boned the car that we were in. He hit the car at about 60 miles an hour and Jeremy was driving. He didn't make it. He was killed almost instantly in that accident. And I was broken from neck to waist. Mm. I mean, uh, the list of injuries that I had was ridiculous. I mean, I had a broken neck, a broken back. My pelvis was broken in three places. My, I had a couple of brain injuries, two broken ribs, a collapsed lung. I mean, the, I could just go on. The laundry list was it was huge. I had I was life flighted to one of the trauma hospitals in Atlanta, mm. and they you know they didn't think that I was going to make it. I spent eleven days in ICU and mm. you know blah blah blah. But fast forward, what really made me reevaluate things in my life was the recovery process, mm. um, trying to get my life back in order, learning how to walk again, um, facing all of the adversity that I had in that. The doctors were like, you know, you're probably not going to walk again, but if you ever do walk again, it will always be with a limp and you will have to have some kind of assistance. And uh, Doctors love to do that shit, do. don't they? They it's, do. It's their own little personal insurance policy that I'm going to tell them all the shit that they're never going to be able to do yeah. again so that every time they manage to do it, it's a little triumph for them and I'm not liable. Yeah. And uh, that was uh, – skydiving at that point became 100% my focus for getting better. Mm. And that that was the goal. I I – and, and funny enough, I had said this in 2009. This is after I had done a tandem in Hawaii. Hmm. A tan- I'd done four tandems. And I'm like, I'm going to skydive all 50 states. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to do it. I sent you the post just a couple of days ago. I'm like, now, you know, I'm going to skydive all 50 states and I'm going to climb to Everest Base Camp with my brother. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that was what inspired me or what continued to push me forward in my progress um, was just wanting to skydive again. Hmm. So that's that once I got through all of that process and, and the recovery took about a year, then that's when I just went balls out and focused 100% on skydiving. Well, it's funny. Uh, I mean, uh, there's quite a few skydivers that have stories like that, although a substantial amount of them are injuries in the sport uh, that use skydiving to get back into it. But it's amazing what um, accidents like that or hardships like that can do to pull you out of the... I hate to use the phrase American dream because there's nothing wrong with the old stereotypical American dream. If you want the house and the white picket fence and you want the nine to five job and you want the two cars in the in the garage and all that, that's wonderful. Yeah. Whatever makes you happy. But 
and I can't quite figure it out. I'm no genius, but when people fuck themselves up, that shit just seems to not be important anymore. It yeah. really isn't. It's like, oh yeah, okay, I got the nice car and everything, but I can't drive it when I'm dead. Yep. And uh, um, that big fat bank account isn't going to help anybody. You know, again, when I'm not here anymore, all that money I saved is going to do nothing. Yep. Or I can go have a shitload of these amazing experiences and, you know, who knows? That's exactly what happened, man. I had the house. I had the car. I had the job. And I nearly died in my mid-twenties. And I, it just made me reevaluate everything that sure. I thought was important in my life. Yeah. And uh, it I, once, I, like I said, once the uh, the whole accident, when I was, you know, the recovery process was finished, I unloaded those things. I sold the house. I got rid of the car. And then I said it, I went out on a journey, on a mission to skydive all 50 states uh, and then to travel the world. Those were those were my goals and that's what kept me going. Yeah, how cool is that too? I mean, to, for exactly that kind of push. And I, I hate to say it, but it's usually shit like that that finally snaps people out of um, following a dream that's not necessarily theirs. That's right. Again, for those that want, the, want that stereotypical American dream, that's awesome. But yeah. there's a lot of people that think they want that because they don't know what they actually want. That's true. And facing the Grim Reaper is an amazing way to, to re-stabilize <laughs> re your priorities. It is. Like, oh, shit. As a matter of fact, I was listening to uh, um, a podcast recently that had Steve-O of jackass fame on okay. it and uh, of course steve-o is just known as being this fucking maniac that goes out and does all this crazy shit and everybody thinks he's just batshit crazy turns out he's an extremely well-spoken intelligent um thoughtful guy really really like over the top thoughtful and uh, um his reasoning behind why he did all the crazy stupid shit that he did uh were twofold one he says he's an attention whore I'm like all right well that makes sense but he's like um it all boils down to death and the way that he explained it was um, mankind is given two things in the beginning of it all. One is um, in our very genes is a desire to do nothing but survive. That's it. That's what we're wired to do. We're wired to not die. Do anything you have to do to survive. But we're also fucked because we have the intelligence to know that there's the one thing we can't avoid. And that's death. Yep. So he's like, what an ultimate fucking catch-22. The one thing we're programmed to do is not want to die, and the only thing we can guarantee is that we're going to die. It's true. <laughs> it is so true, and we forget that. Well, most people don't yeah. face that, but when you have a near-death experience like you did or when you take up something like skydiving where you are forced to think about your mortality because you're putting it on the line, that all changes really fucking quickly. It does. Really quickly. So you decided, fuck it, I'm going to go balls out. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to jump all 50 states. That's, yeah, that was the goal. How long did it take you to do it? It took me an entire summer. One summer? One summer. Okay, now you say that like it's a long time. Most people are like, would say, it took me an entire <laughs> decade. No, man, it took me a summer. I did Hawaii, like I said, in 2009. So the other 49 states I did in the summer. Jesus Christ. It was nuts. It was absolutely pure chaos. I'm I'm guessing really fun chaos. It was amazing. All I right. met so many people and had so many just fantastic memories and moments on that journey. All right, I'm going to put you on point. What yeah. was the best drop zone? Oh my god, I can't even tell you. You have to. I I, I don't know. There I, there were so many drop zones for so many reasons. All right, let's let's break it down this way. What was the best big drop zone? Oh god, Scott of Arizona. Okay. All right, I'll give you Eloy. Yeah. Eloy's pretty fucking amazing drop zone. Yeah, I had a great time. So, so 
first of all, um, whenever I started this journey, I was a baby, baby skydiver. I had just over 100 skydives, mm. and I set out on this mission. And I had, at this point, no contacts and no idea who or what or when or where or anything about really the idea of skydiving. So I reached out to USPA, and I ended up talking to Randy Ottinger, who's okay. the director of government relations. And this guy, of course, has every connection in in the United States and the world, practically, of, of who's who and, and what to do. And this guy helped me make some contacts at some of these drop zones where I wasn't just walking into some newbie. And, sure. you know, it, it was really nice being able to have someone that went ahead of me, so to speak, to, to break the ice. Sure. But when I got to Scott of Arizona, I met at the time the director of marketing. I think that was what his title was. It's Carl Meyer, who's back at PD now. And he helped me. Like, it was just fantastic. He, you know, he introduced me around. He made sure that, uh, I mean, he hooked me up with a balloon jump. And it was just really great to, to have that type of hospitality mm. at a drop zone as big and hectic and chaotic as Scott of Arizona could sure, be. Sure, sure. So it was really, it was a great intro to uh, a, a large drop zone. God, my first uh, experience at Scott of Arizona was not nearly as sweet yeah. as that. No, no. <laughs> I uh, The first time I ever went to jump at Scott of Arizona was to get my AFF. Okay. I, I had to do it with an old one of the old guard, a guy by the name of Billy Rhodes. Okay. Uh, Billy Rhodes was this old country boy, and big old country boy, like 6'3", 6'4". He was probably 260 pounds, if not more. Um, and... Uh, I had gotten a job uh, throwing drugs at Cross Keys, and I was walking away from Vegas. I was done. I was going to go get this job in Cross Keys, but the caveat to that job was I had to have my AFF ready. So I had quit my job, sold my house, sold everything, sold my car, bought a truck and a 17-foot pop-up trailer, and was going to stop in Eloy on my way to Cross Keys, only getting the job if I passed the AFF course, which, okay. of course, is the hardest course in skydiving to get. Yeah. So I pull up to Scott of Arizona with all my cards on the table for this one. And uh, I go up and I meet Billy Rhodes and I introduce myself. Hey, it's really it's really good to be here to do the course. And he's this good old boy. And he's like, oh, it's really nice to meet you too. I'm like, oh, cool. This guy, <laughs> he seems really nice. Got this big old grin and a big old bear hug. And he's all, so uh, I didn't see you in my pre-course. Uh -oh. And I'm like... Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I was wrapping up everything back home and it's been really crazy. So this is as soon as I could get there. And he goes, oh, no, yeah, yeah. I don't believe I've ever passed anybody that didn't take my pre-course <laughs> and then fucking walks away. And of course, I, what I didn't. What a mind fuck oh, that yeah. was. <laughs> and, and I didn't realize at the time that um, this was right around the time when a lot of other AFF instructors were, or evaluators were starting to get their ratings. And Billy, I guess, from, again, secondhand information, was not particularly thrilled because he ran a very difficult course. And there were a lot of people that were not giving away the rating, but they weren't as hard as Billy thought they should be. So in order to compensate, he made his course that much harder. So from the get-go with the mindfuck thing, and it was a super, super hard course. I mean, I think I probably cried in my hotel room three <laughs> times in that course. It was that hardcore. Oh, man. It all came down to my last jump, and I had to do the jump with Billy. And so that acting bullshit that you had to go through was done. I didn't have to do that anymore, so I didn't have to him pretending to walk in the props and shit like that. And so we're standing there waiting for the plane to pull up for me to do the pass or fail jump with Billy fucking Rhodes. And uh, I'm like, all right, fuck it. And I slap him on the shoulder. I'm like, you know something? Fuck the bullshit. Let's just go have some fun, all right? And he just kind of got that look on his face like, I'm really not sure how to how to take this. And But then he kind of grins. He's like, 
all right. And we went up, and, and uh, they said they could hear hear me screaming from the ground when I got the fucking handle uh, at the bottom amazing. of the dive. Yeah. You gotta and, love that. The AFF course, that was so, for me, mentally, it was more mental than it was anything else. Yeah. You can fly. I can fly my body. I'm sure you did the same thing. How did the jump go, by the way? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Jump went great. In fact, the whole course, the jumps went great. But uh, again, because he was a classic guy, he gave me an enormous amount of shit because I wasn't wearing an RW suit. I was Jeez. wearing a semi-baggy free fly suit, but it's what I knew how to fly. And he was giving me shit saying, you know, you're probably not going to pass if you're not in an RW suit. And I flat out told him, look, you want me to be able to fly at my top, right? He's like, yes. I'm all, well, then this is the suit I need to do it in. Yeah. And he, he, he let that pass, but, uh, um, yeah, it was that part of it. Big mind fuck for the man, whole thing. The whole, yeah. The whole AFF course, man, DJ Marvin, bless his heart. Oh, that guy. He, I've had him on the podcast. Yeah, I know. I love DJ so much. He was the one that did my AFF course. Mm. Actually, I did just about all but a couple of the eval jumps. I had to do the eval jumps with uh, Luke Akins to finish mine up, but I'm telling you what, he, I, I don't know. I think maybe I did cry. Maybe I cried once. I, I, he doesn't know that. So thanks, DJ. Uh, I had a box of tissues. <laughs> thanks for that. Uh, but no, seriously, the just getting through the mental side of things, getting an AFF rating is challenging for anybody. Oh, yeah. Well, for me, I guess it was tenfold because I had literally walked away from my entire very stable yeah. life in Las Vegas to go take this job in Cross Keys that I didn't have if I didn't get this rating. Now, the funny thing was the whole fucking first season didn't do a single AFF Yeah, job. you did a bunch of tandems there, right? I just checked rogues. Cross Keys, that was such a great drop zone. I <sighs> loved it whenever I got there. I met Rob Stanley and Rest of Soul and Mark Cruzy and a couple other guys that just absolutely made that drop zone yep. an yep. incredible experience. Yep. Dave Pancake's still there. Yeah, Pancake's Shout out to Pancake. Uh, Range is a German. Range Luda, he's still out there chucking drugs. Jesus. He's a fucking rock star. What a great drop zone. That guy's going to be like 90 still chucking drugs, man. He's that badass. So... Arizona uh, was yeah. your best big drop zone. What yeah. was your best small drop zone? Oh God, that that's really hard because there were so many. There were so many. Uh, so West Virginia skydivers. So whenever I was planning the trip, I basically I was going where the weather was supposed to be the best. Mm. Trying to get all of that coordinated and trying to finish it in the summer was really tough. Mm. And I learned. Coming from a turbine drop zone that's open seven days a week, that not all drop zones are created equal. (laughs) I learned that one the hard way. But I, and God, I'll never forget this. I was up um, in Chicago, a Chicagoland skydiving center. I kind of at one point made that my base. Um, I had, um, I was on the pro pass, so I was getting to do a bunch of jumps while I was there. And sure. as the weather broke, I would, you know, make a trip. Sure. For uh, those that to... don't know, a little, uh, a little props to CSC. They came up with a great idea. This would have been back in, oh, 2008 or 2009, I think is when he started it. The pro pass was you paid a predetermined amount and had unlimited jumps. It was I did. I did over 500 jumps in three months yeah. on the pro pass. Yeah. It was ridiculous. So yeah, I was able to do a lot with my career in skydiving because of that. So Doug, if you're listening, thanks for that. I appreciate it. Um, but I, so I had a break in the weather and I was trying to get, I forget where I was going, but I had to make a stop or I was driving through West Virginia and I called the drop zone to see if they were open. This is the middle of the week. Turns out they're a weekend only drop zone, but I talked to this guy named John and I'm like, John, listen, man, I'm coming through. I, You don't know who I am. I'm just on a mission to skydive all 50 states. 
if you can open the drop zone, I will pay for the entire load if you guys can just come out because I, I'm driving through and it's not going to be easy for me to get back here. Hmm. Would you be willing to send up a load for for just me? Like I said, I'll pay for the whole thing. And he was like, you know what? Give me 10 minutes. I'll, let, let me call the DZO. Let me see what I can do. So he calls Bob Dolan and puts me in touch with Bob. And Bob tells me that they have a new pilot that's starting and that they're going to be out doing some test flights or check flights or whatever, mm. that I could come out to the drop zone. They're going to make a couple of calls to see if they could get anybody to come out that would help offset the cost of the load and, yeah, just to come on. And I, I showed up to West Virginia Skydivers, and they had a couple extra fun jumpers there, and, and, and John was there as well, and they opened the drop zone just to send me up for the one load. That's cool. And, you know, and I ran across things like that across this journey, um, it, it, just the, the camaraderie and the, I don't know, just, I don't even, I don't even know the right words for it. Just the, there's just fucking awesome people mm. in the sport. Oh yeah. And oh yeah. it really, it opened my eyes to what this community actually is because, you know, being a hundred jump wonder, you really don't understand how deep rooted the, the family vibe is. Sure. In skydiving. Sure. And that, that particular moment really made it real for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, pretty much everybody that's been on the podcast has, has said the same thing. And it's basically what you're saying now is that yes, jumping is really cool, but the true draw to skydiving is the community more it than is. anything. It's the people you get to do this cool shit with. Yep. For me, after all these years, the, um, the secondary draw to skydiving is skydiving. Yeah. It's it's the community, it's the the people and the um, the welcomeness and yes and uh, uh, I mean although I have to be dubious about any group of people that will happily be open armed accepting to an asshole like me <laughs> like oh wait a second I'm part of this community who okay Man. no it's so true though it's I, mean, I can't tell you how many couches I crashed on while I was on this trip and just the the way people would accommodate me like for instance um, Fran Scott of Pepperell she that's She's the DZO. So the way Pepperell is set up is one part of the runway is in, or one part of the landing area is in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And the other part of the runway, the very, very back end of this big field is in Hollis, New Hampshire. Hmm. There's no drop zone in New Hampshire. So, so what to do? I'm just, you know, going to land, land in New Hampshire. I'm going to land in New Hampshire. Well, there you go. And bless her heart. I hope she doesn't kill me for saying this, but I got called. I, I told her what I was going to do because I didn't want to get kicked off the drop zone, you know, the first second I'm there. She was like, yeah, absolutely. She pulls out the aerial and she shows me exactly the state line. She goes, you need to land here and you will be officially in Hollis, New Hampshire. And I'm going to have the van out there waiting for you. I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to bring you back. And then you can come back and do this jump. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah. It was really fantastic. People dig shit like that. Yeah. Especially skydivers. They dig stuff like that. And they also dig being a part of it. Yeah. For sure. Well, and the, especially if you're doing a, you know, crisscrossing across the country and getting to meet all these different people yeah, in yeah. different, you know, large drop zones, medium drop zones, small drop zones, all that stuff. I mean, yeah. it's how amazing is it? It is fantastic. And then there was another one. This is another small drop zone. This was Skydiv Hot Springs. And this was South Dakota. And God, my brain has just left me. Wyoming. So I, Colin Porter is the DZO of this drop zone in, um, in uh, what did I just say? Not Wyoming, the other one. Uh, South, South Dakota. Dakota. Jesus, yeah. my brain is just shot. Anyway, so there is no drop zone in Wyoming. So I 
ended up talking to a guy named Eric Lee, who was another one of the 50 state jumpers, trying to get organized to do South Dakota and Wyoming, because again, there's no drops on there. So Colin Porter was able to get everything organized with one of the airports across the border. And we were able to do kind of a jump into that one and come back. But that, once again, just the small drop zones sure. and how amazing people are. It just it just continues to blow my mind. Yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. Well, and again, they're very open to, all right, you, you want to do what? Yeah. Cool. That's Can exactly I watch? That's exactly what it is. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. There, and apparently he had called in enough time where they had gotten, a, a, I don't know, probably 20 or 30 people in the community to come out and oh, sit yeah. at the airport somebody's waiting gonna for do, these four skydivers to come in. Somebody's going to do what? Yeah, man. That's exactly what it is. You're, what, what are you going to do? Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Shit's great. So what's the first drop zone you woke up and didn't know where you were because you were too hungover? Maybe Scott, I've New England. <laughs> I like that you're not sure which one. I, I'm pretty sure it was the Tiki Boogie. I don't know. That that place. Oh, God. I love Scott, I've New England. There's right. people there. So, so much fun. you started dating early in the sport. So, and the, you started, uh, you were getting your AFF at what drop zone? At the farm. So, the farm is the first drop zone you got laid on then. Yeah. All right. So cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just covering all my bases. I'm trying to, I'm, a, I'm trying to my think of questions. Don't listen to this. I don't do that. I'm a good, yeah. I'm a good girl. Uh huh. Fucking A. <laughs> Fucking A. Yeah. I'm just trying to, to think of questions that are going to make Junior go, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Don't let, I don't want to embarrass my husband too badly. I do. Oh, I, you can blame it all on me. He's going to hear Bless this eventually. So yeah, <laughs> that's all right. I mean, no one. I wonder what he's doing right now. Actually, we, we can't. Uh, I can't fuck with him any worse than we all <laughs> fucked with Moss on the drunken. Oh my God, that was the best podcast. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. I can't even listen to that song the same anymore. God, it's all that community. <laughs> it's all. I love that on the very first podcast I did with Moss, he he got drunk and sang none of the right words, but he was trying. And on the second one, he just made up his own yeah. lyrics to the oh. same song. I was genius, genius. All yeah. right, so you eventually achieve all 50 states i did yeah so you, you banged it out in the summer now did you go okay now i need to find a home base and and just uh, uh jump occasionally or this is now when you knew all right this is it this is my lifestyle now i knew that was my lifestyle um so whenever like i said earlier uh whenever i was at csc i was able to get 500 or more jumps in on the pro pass and that's you know set me up to be able to to get my tandem rating and that's what i really wanted to do so I went to West Side and I like I'd met Joe Johnson. He was the DZO there. Uh, and he was one that really encouraged me to do this because uh, for me here, like whenever I told people I wanted to get my tandem rating, you know, it's a boy sport. People are like you're a girl. You you can't do that. And things have, have steadily and progressively changed oh, in the sport. Oh, yeah, they have. But it, it was that like you're a girl. You don't have enough upper body strength. There's no way you're going to be able to do it. And across this journey, I've met some really amazing people who encouraged me otherwise. Like, um, gosh, when I was in Rayford, it was Lynn Taylor, rest his soul, and Noel Watts, and and then Joe Johnson. These guys are like, you can do this. There's mm. there's nothing about this that you can't do. We're going to show you the techniques that you need. You can do it. So I went to Joe, and I got my tandem rating, and, and then uh, I kind of set out to Vegas and worked in Vegas for a little while, just doing outside video there, but... <laughs> Let's not talk about, you want to talk about Vegas. I don't do. I don't really want to talk about Vegas. We, I think you said everything that can be said about that we can talk place. About, we can talk about Vegas a little oh bit. Oh my God, that place is a madhouse. All right, isn't it? so 
the, uh, listen, I uh, the guys s- that are out there, the TIs and the fun jumpers, they are fucking amazing people. I have such a love-hate relationship with that place because it's where I started. I mean, that's where I, I worked <laughs> for every drop zone that existed in that town until the time that I left. Uh, the first video I ever shot for money was for Outlaw Skydiving. Yeah, I mean, in in Gene, Nevada, yeah. long before the operations that, that are there. That was Brian's brother's place. Yeah? Yes, the, yeah. it was the Moeller brothers. Yeah. You know, I've still got I've got two Outlaw Skydiving shirts. One of them that yeah. I got I was given by AJ, and the thing is hanging on by a thread. I, I'm scared wow. to put it on because it's falling apart that bad. Um, but yeah, so he paid me my first ever jump. He was the uh, I was. Uh, Second video for a 29,000-foot tandem bandit jump. (laughs) Of course it would be a bandit Uh, jump. It was a full-on bandit jump in their King Air. We went up to 29,000 feet. Was it 29 or 28? It was up there. Way in the fuck up there. Myself, Kevin Love, a tandem instructor who was a full-time fireman at the time and his tandem passenger. And how did they get the permits? They didn't. They turned off the transponder and just bombed up to 29,000 feet over Vegas. Nothing dangerous about that. (laughs) With no oxygen. (laughs) No way. No oxygen. Now, it's a King Air, so it's hauling ass because it's got the pilot and four people on board. So we're just smoking up there. But to 29,000 feet, stupidest thing ever. And I'll never forget... The tandem tried to climb out before Kevin, who was primary video. Yeah, we were all hypoxic as fuck. So he's trying to climb out first. We managed to keep that from happening, and Kevin gets out, and then I'll, the tandem and him leave, and I bomb the door. I have less than 100 jumps at the time, and I remember rolling out of the plane literally thinking, as clear as can be, do I get bigger or smaller to go faster? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, because I had to think about it. So I have all of those memories that are the most amazing, crazy, stupid memories ever. And then I have Michael fucking Hawks, who was the biggest cocksucking piece of shit in skydiving. Tell me how you really feel. That's me being, that's me holding back. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't have enough negative words in my vocabulary to, to say about oh, this man. guy. That's brutal. Now, all of that being said... I worked for that man for a long time. I made a shitload of money and I got a buttload of opportunities because of that drop zone. I just had to work for a psychotic bipolar madman to do it. Um, So I have this love-hate relationship with Vegas. And then I had other not-so-great experiences with other DZOs in that town, but I've talked about him too. So we can just let that one go. Yeah. Next yeah, subject. Yeah, but no, but but the town itself. Well, you spent a lot of time there, not uh, not chucking drugs, not shooting video, but you were a professional gambler. Yeah, well, I I don't think you can call me a professional gambler, but I paid my rent once or twice in a poker room. I would call that professional because uh, I gambled a hundred dollars in eleven years. I, I had a lot of fun. They, <sighs> uh, if I go back right now to the South Point, they're gonna know exactly who I am. So. Uh, God nice. have mercy. I loved it. It was so much fun. They would have known who I was, but the club I used to take my pants off and got knocked to the ground. <laughs> so it doesn't exist anymore. So my, my stripper history is long gone oh, now. God. So you lived in the OG house, didn't you? In uh, Vegas? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, you're, you're talking... Yeah, yeah uh, let's not say his name, but you lived in that house. Yeah, so I was one of the first in that house. So um, If those walls could talk. That drop zone <laughs> was uh, started by a really good friend of mine, Dale Hinton, and his partner, Eddie, Okay, uh, started this drop zone. And uh, uh, Dale, who I wish had run the thing full-time, I met him when I was working for Michael Hawks. He's the only person I know that ever made Michael Hawks cry. Oh, no. So I loved him no matter what. <laughs> and I love him till the day I die just because he made Michael Hawks cry. Uh, but so they owned this drop zone together. And then um, 
Dale ended up kind of becoming a bit of a silent partner in the entire thing. And uh, um, that house he owned. And he rented that house out to Eddie, who rented it to uh, the staff. Okay. And myself and a guy by the name of Derek Massey lived there. Oh, Derek. Yeah. So Derek and me and uh, uh, Eddie lived in that house. And uh, the, the rigging loft was in that house as well. So... I think for almost a year we were together in that house. So you can imagine the dynamic in that house. I can only imagine spending time with, with you and Derek in Bali. Yeah. I can only imagine what it was like in oh, that house. Oh, it was it was wild and crazy. Well, he was single. I was still a stripper, so I was still <laughs> taking my pants off three or four nights a week in the in the strip club. And then I was working at the drop zone, busting my ass. And I was the photographer that, for the drop zone. I was setting up the websites. I was. A whole bunch of stuff. I love it. Was Derek getting to reap some of the benefits of you being a stripper? Were you bringing home girls for Oh, him? no. He was doing his own thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. Derek had no problems whatsoever. <laughs> no, none, none whatsoever, which set up the huge negative dynamic in the house because two of the three people in that house were getting laid a oh, lot. Oh, and, and, and one man of, wasn't? And one of them had just gotten divorced. And, oh, no. Yeah. So maybe that's why he has such a big chip on his shoulder all the time. Yeah, it was it was pretty <laughs> it was a, it was not the most positive living environment. Bless you know? his heart. Yeah, well that was the the whole uh, uh, and you've heard the ambient story happened yep. in that Yes, please share the ambient story again. It's my favorite. It happened in that house. That was in the the orange cat was yeah. Eddie's cat. <laughs> Short and sweet. Really short and sweet. We had uh, had a, it was, I think it was a Friday and we'd been jumping all day. And of course I had to do it again on Saturday. And uh, I decided I wasn't going to go out. I was going to go home and go to bed. Derek was going to go out and, and Eddie was going out. And so I had the house to myself, which is a rare thing. So I'm happy. I'm showered and stripped down naked. And I've taken an ambient. I'm climbing into bed. And then the telephone rings and it's this girl named Michelle that I worked with at the strip club that wanted to come hang out. So she was coming over to play. Air uh, quotes, hang yeah, out. Hang out. And so she said, hey, can I come over for a little while? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Having forgotten that I took an Ambien and I'm still up in my bedroom. The rest of the house is dark and, and uh, what feels like about 20 minutes goes by and I think I hear a knock on the door. Now I had taken lots of Ambien before I'd been taking it for quite some time. So I had a, I knew what was coming and I could kind of feel that tingle, um, but I didn't think it was really kicking in. Um, so when I got to the door, I wasn't thinking as I cracked the door, I'm thinking she's going to be there. Now, mind you, I still don't have a stitch of clothing on cause I got a booty call coming. <laughs> Where the fuck am I going to put pants on? It's just going to waste time. And I know I've got an ambient in me, so I've got a small window to work with. So why put pants on? All right. So I cracked the door. Now the rule in the house was pretty much anything goes, but the fucking cat is never allowed outside ever. So as I crack the door, thinking I'm going to see Michelle standing outside the door, what I see instead is a flash of orange by my feet oh, no. going out the door. Well, what do you do, right? You, you have a choice. You leave. You go and get the cat. You either go get the cat that <laughs> belongs to the guy who can throw you out of the house in a heartbeat, or you run upstairs to get pants and give that cat a big head start. Definitely run out naked. It's right. Vegas. You're fine. So it's like nine o'clock on a Friday night. So it's dark out, but it's Friday fucking night in a cul-de-sac <laughs> near Summerlin. Yeah. So I dart out the door. Uh, just in time to make it to the sidewalk, realizing that that ambience really working. <laughs> it's definitely doing its job. And for anybody that's not taking Ambien, Ambien is called a sleep hypnotic for a reason. Uh, one of the things that it does is it really fucks with your vision. And as it gets stronger and stronger, you end up getting this like tunnel vision going on. So I'm now naked running around the cul-de-sac trying to catch a cat who is clearly just fucking with me. <laughs> 
clearly the cat's just like, all right, let's see how clearly. far down the street I can get this dumbass. By the time I finally managed to catch the cat, I've been chasing this cat around for, I'm guessing, 15, 20 minutes at the very least. The cat has scratched me at least half a dozen times. I finally get it by the scruff of the neck, and I'm walking back up this cul-de-sac. I can only see out of the bottom corner of my left eye. So my head is tilted way back into the right so I can look out of that. The cat is, again, death-gripped by the scruff of the neck, covering my balls because I'm naked. And as I finally make it back up to the house, here comes Michelle pulling up to the house, who's sees me covered in blood walking like a zombie naked carrying a cat over my balls i well did did she still want a booty call after that i don't really remember the rest of the night from there i can't can't imagine it going too far after that i made it I, i made it into the house to get the cat put away and then i woke up to the alarm the next morning and then tried to recall that story as i told it to derek on the way to the drops on the next day did you ever hear from her again well, I'd known her for quite some time. Okay. So, yeah, I think it was just uh, she just didn't want to know. Did she? She didn't play by play that for you afterwards. No, you never asked her. No, I don't think we ever spoke about it again. I think it was one of those <laughs> things where she's she probably just left going. I think I'm just gonna say, just pretend that. Never oh happened. my God, that's not a real friend because your real friends would have had photo. Oh, that was you know that. How long ago was that? That was before. Oh, that was that shit. Was before that cell was, phones. Had- that was 2002. Yeah, that's before cell phones had cameras. Thank fuck. Because <laughs> that would be all. Over the oh, internet all right the now. truly stupid shit that I've done was way before iPhones. Aren't you thankful that oh, yes. that stuff wasn't around? Oh yes, oh yes. God all all of all of my ridiculously uh, crazy adventures on chemical entertainment and all that stuff were long right? before you could prove Jesus. any of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now it's all he- either hearsay or the statute of limitations is well run exactly. out. Exactly. <laughs> So it's, kids so, these days, they have it hard. Can yeah. you imagine? Oh, yeah. Well, kids these it's kind of funny because I grew up in the, the George Orwell's 1984 with Big Brother I watching. It's not Big Brother. Book. It's a bunch of little cousins. We're it, all narking on ourselves true, anymore. Man. You know, I mean, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, um, now with skydiving specifically, one of the biggest problems in an article that I wrote is people posting shit right? on Facebook and Instagram oh and all this God. stuff. Of shit that they should not have done, and they're busting themselves out. I can't even count how many friends have lost ratings and gotten in trouble for doing ridiculously stupid shit and then posting it. It is nuts. But, man, the one that got me the worst was the Lodi fatality. That video— Wait, which one? The, well, <laughs> shit. It's a shame that you have to specify, There was it? just another one. I know. It got hit by a truck. Which— I'll tell you what, I'm going to go out on a limb with this one, and I am not a Lodi apologist. I am not a fan of Lodi. I never have been. Um, I I don't have anything personal against Bill. He wasn't a prick to me when I flew there. He wasn't a sweetheart, but is he a sweetheart to anybody? I I actually had really great experiences there. He's a for to me. He was a really nice guy. Him and his wife both. I you know, and again, I don't have I I don't think of him one way or the other because I honestly don't have any negative experience. For my experience with him was I was flying Chicago's Otter out there. All his planes were grounded by the FAA (laughs) because he didn't have paperwork on this engine or that wing or that. So I had the only plane he could fly. So I was literally the only person Bill couldn't fire. Well. Because I was the pilot of a plane he didn't own. <laughs> and from what I hear, you may be the only person ever that could say that. But no, the fatality I'm talking about was the the the, the uh, tandem fatality a couple of years ago. Oh with, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the with, oh, man, I had no idea. I, and I watched it. I I opened that video late at night. I was literally laying in the bed, and I click on this video and I watch it. And as a TI, I'm I'm like, oh. 
No, oh, yeah. No, no, no. Well, no, what's happening? And uh, that completely scarred me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, no the, the, the granny video in the, in the purple um, uh, running outfit. Yeah. That's how you tell me, how does that video get out? I, I'm sorry. If I'm, at, I'm at a drop zone and I, something like that happens. I'm sorry. That video, the SD card was broken. Oh, yeah. No, no. I, 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 I completely agree. But uh, of course, that, that got everywhere. everywhere. Oh, my God. That was viral all over the place. Um, I mean, that place is just. I didn't want to say it's a Lodi curse because it's self-inflicted for the most part. They, they put the dye in Lodi? Yeah, I'm telling you. Well, so I actually, I, I completely agree with a, a friend of mine. I read her post not that long ago, um, just a, it was either yesterday or the day before, about the recent Lodi fatality. Yeah. Um, my friend Lisa Wyatt out of Skydance in Davis said that basically the same thing. She's like, you know something? Lodi is fucked up on a lot of stuff, but on this one, I do not it's hold them not, responsible yeah. because this was an experienced jumper, made yeah. a bad mistake, landed yeah. on a highway, and got run over she, by a semi truck. No, she landed on the back part of the truck. <laughs> she landed on the back part of it. That's what the news article said. So you never know. You never know. But the way the news article read was she landed, she hit the back part of a truck. Yeah. And then, like, fell off the back and died. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, I, I'll tell you what, and this is where, <laughs> all right, so this is where the, the fucked up skydiver sense of humor in me wants to come out, and I'm trying to hold it back because it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. Someone for absolutely no good reason passed away on a skydive just because of bad judgment. Yep. It happens. It, it does happen. Happens. It does happen. It's such a shame. It does. Well, and uh, you, we've seen it over the years. And, and I remember when I started out in the sport, a fatality was a horrifying thing. And uh, I mean, it still is. Don't get it, me wrong. But I mean, it was how it devastating. Oh, yeah. yeah. How it affects you personally. The first one I was yeah. on the drop zone for, literally everyone on the drop zone was in tears. And this is this was a, a real reality check. So we're on the drop zone. Um, this fatality happens and nobody knew this guy was a visiting skydiver. So we didn't even know this person, but the fatality happens on the drop zone and everybody's destroyed. Operations are shut down for the day. Um, people are in the hangar commiserating and, and crying and everything. And two of the Brits that I worked with at the drop zone are, are sitting at a picnic table in the hangar, shoveling food down their faces and chatting back and forth. And one of the girls who was in between fits of crying turns to them and goes, how can you guys eat at a time like this? And one of my close Brit friends looks at her and goes, well, he's still fucking dead, didn't he? Shit. <laughs> and oh I, could not, I couldn't wrap my head around how literally the body is still warm in the field. Yeah. And this guy says a comment like this, and I couldn't wrap my head around how he could do that. And then cut to a bunch of years later and something like that would happen. And my natural reaction is to crack a shitty joke about it. Cause it's really the only way to cope with it. It is. I, I mean, otherwise you just spend all your time just bummed. It's true. But I don't know for me, like I've gotten more and more desensitized to sure, this. Of course. And it it sucks. And a lot of things that we see are just from complete and total complacency. That's of course. it. The needless fatalities, needless. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. So uh, it's, I don't know. Well, in, in regard to the, the, the way that uh, jumpers cope with it and the sense of humor type of thing, if I were to go in, I want there to be a never-ending stream of fucked up princess jokes for as long. <laughs> like, I don't even want to be, I still want to be twitching in the field and I want oh, fucked no. up jokes. 
I don't want to be remembered for that last mistake of that course. I made. I want them instantly to to go on. Fucking come on, pull the piss because clearly I fucked of up. Of course. You know, I mean, it's and I have to assume probably wrongly that most jumpers are like that. I've had false assumptions before. I, I don't know. I, I honestly have never even considered that. So. <laughs> well, I see the and I'm sure you see it as well. I see the uh, the. Um, the woke craze and the PC craze even oh creeping into skydiving, which I never thought would happen. I really didn't think it would happen, and it has to it some has. to some degree. It, it's a completely new generation of skydivers, though. Yes. Uh, and I, I, I'm speaking from a completely different generation of skydiving than you're from. Then you know. That, Are you calling that, me you, fucking old? I'm not. Call, I'm calling you experienced. Oh, that's a. <laughs> That's backhanded. She, all right. All Experience. Right. I, listen, I haven't even seasoned. pulled one punch. Seasoned. I, I'm not going to pull one punch about the salt and pepper beard you got going on. Beard. Ready this for is fucking. Nepalese track you're going on. Father Christmas shit going on. It is. On. It, yeah, it, it does look like Father Christmas. You haven't even does seen it girl- when I flared out. <laughs> does your girlfriend have a, a Santa Claus fantasy? She was the one that decided that I should grow this she thing. She has a Santa Claus fantasy But for no, sure. but it's but it's funny because just the other night uh, we're laying in bed and she's playing with my beard and she's like, this is getting really long. <laughs> and I'm like, it yes, is. it is. Does it have a name yet? No, not yet. Yeah. Okay. But she's like, so when you get back from Everest and uh, after Christmas, we'll kind of go for a different look. And I'm like, is that your way of saying you don't like the beard anymore? And she's it, just kind of like, yeah, kind of. Dude, now that you flared it out, oh, it is impressive. It's you. I didn't realize it was that long. That's oh, kind of gross. Look at this shit. You you should go. It, no, you should go for the... the uh, and with the glasses? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I look old and rapey. It kind of. I do. Kind of. It's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's. I wanted. I want. I was hoping that uh, that the the long beard would come in and I would look more like um, three hundred. You know, yeah. all badass, and it turns out I look more like bad Santa. It, that well, you said it. Yeah. <laughs> I I might confirm that one. <laughs> It's, I'll tell you what though, it's turned out to be the most fucking entertaining thing in the world because for a guy that for 11 years made his living off of appearances, it's so nice to just look shitty. You, but you don't look shitty. It's a really nice look for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great look for your, for your, for your sunset years. You yeah. know, it's a great way to bring in 50, Dean. Yeah. No, well, yeah. that's the thing is I really wanted to get to uh, Everest Base Camp with like icicles hanging off my beard. But of course, Nepal is going through a heat wave. Oh so chances are I'm going to get a suntan up there. You might. It's kind of crazy what's I happening. I really hope not. I hope it's like Montana. By the way, for everybody that's in Montana and the western states yeah. that's buried in snow, either congratulations or I'm sorry, depending on how seasons. you like winter sports. Man, yeah. yeah, the ski season's going to be yeah. off the chain up yeah, there. No doubt. Uh, so back to skydiving and, and bad decisions. Yeah. So you did Vegas for a long time. You got your AFF rating yeah. um you hit all 50 states yeah. and you started traveling the world as well yes uh how did you end up uh, um marrying mighty munchkin oh man so funny story let's back up to uh, like 30 some odd jumps uh this this was before yeah you know maybe 20 something jumps i had just gotten my e-license and I'm I'm walking in the hangar. I'm you know carrying my Navigator 240 on my back, <laughs> trying to lug this back into the hangar at the farm. And I see this guy talking to the DZO, and from behind he looks kind of familiar. And this you know it had been a few years since I'd done my my tandem with with Junior. And I walk up to him I'm like, Hey, is your name Junior? He's like, Well, well yeah. 
kind of gave me a once over. I'm like, dude, you took me on my very first tandem 2007. And, you know, here I am. <laughs> I, I'm jumping at the farm and, and, you know, I've got my A license and I'm really excited. And he's like, well, why are you jumping there and not at ASC? I'm like, well, it's just because this is where I wanted to be. But that's, so we reconnected in 2011 and then fast forward. I, was before, it, you, before you fast yeah, forward, yeah. you put a beautiful mental image in my mind and probably you and he are too young to know the reference, but there was an old, uh, I think it was a Coca-Cola commercial where uh, this uh, baseball player is walking off the field oh, no. with the jersey and the, the kid walks up and, and, yes. and reaches up and hands the player a Coke that's yes. standing like fucking... <laughs> Ten feet above him. That's the image I just got in my head. He is, did look up at me when is, I asked. Him is if that his you look down like you're the baseball player, going, "Don't I know you?" Patting him on the head. Hey, would you like a sip of my coke? Yeah, that's, that's the kinda, image you just put in my that's head. That's kind of how it happened. Awesome. Truth be told. Awesome. But man, he took it in stride. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> I know he's just, he's, he's giving you the finger right now. It's took what's it in, happening. Took it in stride. <laughs> Three for one. Oh my God. So yeah. So at, after that, I ran into him a few times. Uh, cause like I said earlier, we shared the same airport. Mm. So Scott of the farm would bust us over to the airport when we loaded there and we would load and, you know, I'd wave or, you know, say hello in passing or give him a hug or whatever. And then he moves to Dubai and we kind of stay in touch, uh, over the years. But then we ran into each other. It was 2015, I think 2016, 2016 at um, Chicago, Scott of Chicago. Mm -hmm. And it was so funny. Gotta love social media. I pulled up Facebook. I'm, I think I'm in the car with Flora. And I see that Junior's checked into Scott of Chicago. And I sent him a message. I'm like, hey, bro, are you at SDC for Summerfest? He was like, yeah. I'm like, dude, I'm going to be there in 10 minutes. I would love to catch up with you. It's been ages since mm. I've seen you. And that and the rest is just kind of history. Wow. We reconnected at, at nice. Chicago. So he showed up and crawled up into your lap, and you guys sat and chatted for a while, and and then the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, there's a little, you know, a little more details in there, a couple more parties or or whatever. But yeah, that's about the gist of it. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. That's no, that's a great story. Yeah. It really, especially considering you took him or he took you on your first jump. He took me on my and, first jump. Wow. And then, so that same summer, I was uncurrent. I uh, hadn't thrown drugs in a while. And I'm like, man, I got I have to get current. I just need to get current for me. And he goes, well, I'm going to go down to Georgia. Do you want to meet me at ASC and I'll, I'll do your recurrency for you? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So later on, I you know, drove down to Georgia and, and he got me current. That was. 2000 oh it's a 2015 nice and yeah he got me current it awesome was really it was a crazy experience taking the guy that took me on my first skydive on a skydive on oh a i'm sure yeah oh absolutely full circle right absolutely there. well and i mean he was definitely easy to maneuver for you I mean, <laughs> for sure I, I have plenty of surface area yeah yeah I'm the other way around tall. would have been funny if noah was too low on that first video you wouldn't even see junior you'd just see hands and feet <laughs> right I think you actually might have just seen that. I don't know. That'd be pretty good. That'd be pretty good. You know, it's funny, too, because Junior is such an unassuming guy on the ground, um, and he's very entertaining and he's very fun. But if you don't know who Junior is, you wouldn't look at Junior and go, I bet he's one of the best swoopers in the world. And then you find out who he is and all the stuff that he's accomplished, and you go, well, fuck me. Holy shit. Yeah, and that's the one thing that I love 
the most about him is that he's just so down to earth and he's yeah. so humble. There's no sky god personality no, no, with my husband. No, he doesn't brag even a little no, bit. Even a little bit. And when I do that, when I brag on him, I'm like, yeah, he's got a couple of world records or yeah, he's, you know, whatever. He's like, shut up. Just sure. stop, stop talking about it. No, I think it's great. Thank you. I well, think it is too. And, and if he were the, the bragging type, he wouldn't be him. I wouldn't, you know, right? I mean, there's, there's, there's enough of that already. There is. Yeah. The sport's full of it. Yep. Yep. No one in, uh, uh, there's enough people that brag for him that he doesn't need to. And he's yes. got quite the number of accomplishments and a hell of a story, too. I mean, anybody that's had the opportunity to listen to his first podcast, I highly recommend. It's the very first very first podcast uh, of Lunatic Fringe. It's quite the story. Yeah, give it a listen. You know, it was kind of funny, too, because I knew the, the backstory uh, for him and all this stuff, but uh, um, I didn't know the details behind his father. And during that podcast, I made a crack that dark skydiver humor about God, how many people every year do they kill at World Freefall Convention? Yep. Not knowing, you know, knowing that his father had passed away in a skydive, but not knowing that it had been in the Freefall Convention. Yep. And of course, I crack out, yeah, fucking how many people? It became world famous that they always killed at least a couple of Freefall uh, people at the Freefall Convention. By the way, where'd your father die? Freefall Convention? Yeah. Okay, so that's me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I'm bless pretty him. much par for the course for me, clearly. You know. Oh, bless. Yeah, you know, and but you would never, because he's not out there trying to publicize the he's, stories and he's stuff. He's not. He's no. not. But if you want to check him out and get a little bit more on his history, check him out on Instagram, handle at David Ludwig or DavidLudvig.com. Yep, yep, absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, shameless plug right no, there. No, plug that shit. Plug that shit for sure. So, um, obviously, he's still going balls out, and, yeah. and uh, he doesn't compete quite as much as he used to, but he's still going big, and, and yeah. I think he was saying something about wanting to compete more, because yeah. uh, now he's back to being able to compete uh, for whoever, yes. um, whereas before he was saddled in with uh, competing for one country, but now he's kind of an, uh, a, a free, free agent. agent. Yeah. 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 So, he can get back out into it, which is amazing. Yeah. He actually, we, we went to a competition in the Ukraine this summer. It's the first time he's done... Um, uh, a regular swoop competition, not freestyle, and since we've been together, so mm. it was really fantastic getting him to you know getting to watch him in sure. in pure true junior form. Um, so he did pretty well. Yeah, and coming out of a four year retirement and haven't you know run any gates in four years. Yeah, no, out, for sure. Makes the podium and speed, and you know just had a general overall performance. Yeah, except for the almost dying over the summer type of thing. What? With his sickness, getting oh ill. Oh, my and, God. Yeah, we had the, in fact, the, oh. the episode that is currently airing as you and I record this is uh, Junior Summer Stories. Oh, my God. Yeah. Their, our anniversary trip to Morocco where I thought he was going to die. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was bad. Yeah. That, that was a, a rough trip. He had a, some tropical illness, which we didn't get to a tropical illness specialist in time to see exactly what it was. But, yeah, when we were walking around Morocco, he I, was – he was his entire body, his all of his joints were swollen so badly. He looked like an elephant. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, like, it was just – I don't know. It was sad. And the, God uh, bless him. He was a trooper. The funny thing about the stories like that is I always get them far enough in advance that I know he's not going to die. Yeah. So I just laugh at him. Oh, my God, it, 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 it makes me a. I'm a bad person. <laughs> I know I'm a bad person because he's still suffering, but he's past the danger point. Like I think the first time I got a message from him about all of that, it was basically a. All right, I'm gonna be okay, but. Yeah. So then I'm just like, all right, he's gonna be okay. Whew, that's good. Oh fuck! All right, let's see what happened. And you're just reading these texts, going, "Oh Jesus yeah. God!" And you just laugh, going, fuck. It, "It was something out of a it, out of a horror movie almost." But and I. Oh God! I'll, I love Junior. I love you. 
with all of my heart, but sometimes he can exaggerate things just a little bit. And I don't know how truthful he is in how he's feeling. <laughs> he can be a bit of a drama queen sometimes. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but it, he was like, I'm, I'm feeling kind of bad. I'm like, well, is it like the flu? Do you, do you want to go to a doctor? And he, he does his best because this is our anniversary trip and he's really doing a good job trying to stay upbeat. But like he's, it, it's wearing a little bit more on him. Sure. And it didn't get, it got to the point where we were sitting at breakfast. We were in Fez, Morocco. And he's like, Nicole, I don't feel well. I'm like, well, they have a nurse on staff. We can get him, uh, or, you know, we can go to the doctor, whatever you want to do. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm going to wait. I'm like, okay, cool. So just wait. And about 30 seconds later, I kid you not, sweat starts pouring down his face. And I go, we got to get you to a doctor I now. I story. Oh my God. <laughs> yep. Anyway, so yeah. Well, I mean, just just like uh, just like Frodo, you know, he takes some lickings, but he just he muscles through. He's he he's a little whiny about it, but he eventually throws the fucking ring he, in. He means well. I and I I've, I'm I'm sorry I didn't take you more seriously sooner. That was that was my my marriage faux pas. I'm so sorry. Wouldn't have made nearly as good a story though. No, <laughs> just I can just close my eyes and picture the sweat dripping down his face while we're having breakfast. Oh, so it can was I. just so, so bad. can I, except for the last time that I saw him sweating like that, he was being chased by a rather large <laughs> red rooster. The Dodging Cox yeah, tour. <laughs> he was being chased by a large, rather large red rooster on Gilly T and he had forgotten how to ride a bicycle. Oh my God. <laughs> Bless his heart. Yep. Yep. That was that was the Dodging Cox tour. I don't remember what year it was, but fuck me, that was a. Yeah. When was that? Two thousand fifteen too. Two thousand sixteen. Something like yeah. that. I don't know. They all start to blend together they do. after a while. Yeah. When you got yeah. fifty of them, I guess. They Dodging do, right? Cox. That was such a good time. Oh my god. Yeah, that was proper fun. We yeah. got we got some weird times. The the Bali trips are always a blast. Yeah. We need to do that again soon. Oh, for for any of you out there that want just a, an off-the-hook, bizarre, make-of-it-what-you-will type of place to go, there's an island called Gili Tarawanga. Gili T is what it's known as. And it's about an hour's boat ride off the main island a of Bali. Hour-long it's a boat horrible ride. boat ride. It is complete shit. <laughs> but it's worth it. The island itself, it's nothing but donkey carts and bicycles and um, fungi- fungus milkshakes and Everywhere. copious amounts of alcohol. And there's no no motorized vehicles whatsoever. I mean, you can get run over by a donkey, but I haven't you seen it happen. You could get run over by a donkey but, easily. <laughs> oh, my. You can do anything from have a romantic getaway uh, on your in your own little private villa in the middle of nowhere to go as big and as yep. wild as you possibly can. And yep. and I remember saying this to Junior on our very first trip there um, because I think he was a little trepidatious about going too big on the island because it's, you know, it's the general public. We don't. It's not like we're at a drop zone. We don't know these people. And so it's just me and him getting ready to, to go big with a couple of our other friends. And I turned to him and I'm like, you will never be the most fucked up person on Gilly T and almost on cue. He and I are sitting up having, I forget if we're having a burger or something in a relatively sober moment in the trip. And almost on cue, this guy is walking down the beach. Now, mind you, it's like 10 o'clock in the morning. There is no music playing anywhere. This guy is dancing his ever loving ass (laughs) off. No headset, no nothing. He is just funking out all the way down to the beach. And then he gets roughly in front of us and stops and just stares up at the sky for a good five minutes and then snaps back into the dancing and walks away and i'm like see <laughs> that's amazing yeah like i told you 
Man, when I think about Gilly, I think about Derek in the tree. <laughs> Mr. Derek Massey. Derek, Derek, his podcast was just out not that long that ago as well. Yeah. Yep, yep. I remember asking everybody, where's Derek? And somebody pointed to a hammock. Up in the tree. 15 to 18 feet up in a tree, hanging in a hammock without a care in the, the fucking world. The fact that he was able to get that far up the tree is pretty the impressive. The fact that he was able to find the tree. Right. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. No, that was a good trip. That was a good trip. I'm. I'm so, well, and we've all got our little wave tattoos yeah. that we survived it. It's. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. That was good. So again, for for all those of you out there, if you if you want a really wild and crazy getaway, I'm not even pumping our villas. Villa blue skies. Yeah, I'm not I'll pumping villa blue skies. Although you should totally stay in to in stay juniors there. in my villa in Changu. in in Changu in Bali because it's amazing. But Gilly tea, holy shit. Now, back on the subject of skydiving. Yeah. So what comes next? You've got all the ratings. You've been chucking drugs. You've taught AFF and all that stuff. And you've gone in and out of the sport, just like some of us have. So yeah. what's next for you? Is it is it uh, Fun Jumper City? Is it working in the sport? Is it Where does it go from here? I think it's still going to be a little bit of everything. I enjoy being an instructor. There's nothing that I really enjoy more than taking somebody for their first jump. And when the canopy opens and you get that holy fucking shit yep. that that moment where everything just makes sense for them i love that that brings so much energy into my life sure um and same thing like on an aff jump watching the students when the light switches on when it just clicks yeah when they get it yeah when they get it there's nothing in the world like that so uh, i think i'm going to get more into the fun jumping side and you know doing the instructor bit uh a little bit um I don't know, a little bit less than before. I'm actually in the process of opening my own business, so a travel consultancy business. Nice. Yeah, so nice. we're still in the very beginning stages of it. So check back with me in a little bit, and I'll have some more details cool. on it for cool. you. Yeah. You know, it was uh, one of the biggest revelations I had in skydiving was when I became a fun jumper, which just uh, also happened to be about 23 years after I became a skydiver. Okay. Um, obviously... Like everybody, I was a, a fun jumper at the very beginning, but I started working in the sport so soon um, and became so engulfed in the business side of it, whether it was shooting videos or eventually becoming a tandem instructor and a sky surf competitor. There was no, all right, you hold here and I'll hold there and we'll roll out and try this. Right. There was very little of that. Uh, so it took a long time for me to become a fun jumper, but now I wouldn't want to be anything else. It's just, I'd go back to throwing drogues. Uh, on the occasional basis because I really did love doing it, but uh, I found out what being a fun jumper was like after 23 years in skydiving. Yeah. Which is amazing. It is. You know, and so for the last four or five years, when I go out to jump, it's just fun. It's just for me, you know, and it's it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. I, I see that. It keeps you from burning out too, so. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and again, uh, I, I quit when I was thinking about a bunch of bullshit while in free fall, and I started again when, of all people, Junior took me on my very first skydive after a four-year break. Really? Yeah. We went for a jump together. Well, I forget how we started talking about it, but it was during a big competition, and I wasn't flying. I had the day off from flying. And I don't know if it was me or him that suggested it. I think it was him that said, you know, you should maybe go for a jump. And it made me nervous. Yeah? I got butterflies. I'm like, ooh. That's a good time to Ooh, do it. Oh, fuck. I'm a little, <laughs> I'm kind of a little bit scared. So the first person I jumped with after years, four years was Junior. Wow. Uh, he shot video for me, went out and did a horrible free fly, flailed all over the fucking sky, <laughs> opened the pair. I don't even think I waved off. I'm just, oh, oh parachute, <laughs> hey, parachute. 
and and uh, barely landed in the landing area. It was oh just a God. complete shit show from start to finish, and I was instantly rehooked. I'm like, oh, I'm a skydiver again. This is amazing. That's great. And uh, started jumping a, a Saber 150 because I was going to behave myself, and I was only going to fly Valley. Shut and up. That lasted for like 15 jumps. And then and, you went back to your velo. Uh, well, Pablito. Um, my one of my favorite riggers in the world. Hey, I, I went and talked to him, and he had a, a, a one, Velo 103. Yeah. And he was like, well, I've got these canopies, or I've got a Velo 103. You can jump. And he throws the Velo at me, and I catch it, and I'm like, fuck. I, I... And then not even, th- I think two <laughs> or three months later, I was back on the 96 Velo. Yeah. You know, how many thousands of skydives do you have? It's like riding a bike at that point. So. Yeah, but it's yeah, like but... riding a bike off a large cliff. Yeah, you know? kind I mean... of, but you're not an idiot, so Th- this is terrible. Is- I shouldn't be saying this. I don't <laughs> even, didn't. I don't even, didn't. yeah, I'm not even trying to defend it. Yes, <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, well, I guess you are. We go from a Sabre 150 to a Velo. Yeah, no, yeah, I absolutely am. Know. Well, although I've taken another break from jumping because I'm doing this trip to Everest, and and uh, I had a uh, one of the one of my coworkers recently was like, "Hey, are you gonna go? You know, make a jumper, this or that?" And I'm like, "Fuck you! I am a rolling ankle waiting to happen. I am trying not to break anything before I go to Everest. That's it." But didn't you break your ankle walking? I I broke my ankle a couple of years back walking on flat ground in flip-flops. And you're worried about a skydive? Yes. Yes. Okay. No, I I told Junior (laughs) just recently, I'm like, when I wake up in the morning, I actually come up with a route and a plan before I even put my feet (laughs) on the... All right, I'm going to put my right foot down first, and I'm going to walk up to that corner of the chest of drawers. (laughs) You know, I'm like being super... If I could wrap myself in bubble wrap right now, I would. Should we do that? Because when are you gonna when are you gonna fuck yourself up right before the trip it's of a true. lifetime? It's I've, true. I have wanted Maybe. to see Mount Everest since 1997. I've been planning this trip. It's gonna happen in 20 days. I leave for Everest. That's pretty. How many minutes? An hours and seconds? I haven't gone that far. Okay, but 20 uh, days. Yeah, basically okay. 20 days. I leave for Mount Everest. So yeah, if if I'm gonna fuck myself up, this is when it's gonna happen. <laughs> you don't say that. Yeah, don't I'm, put that energy out there. No, I'm just. But do you want help wrap, being wrapped in bubble wrap? That would be fun. <laughs> we, that would be amazing to it do would. that and send you to the drop zone. You should go fly in a bunch of bubble wrap. F- I don't know if I could fly the otter in <laughs> bubble wrap. Do you want to try? That would be in, that would be interesting. Do you want to try? Well, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, we'll, I'll get yeah. Junior to help. You know what would, would happen? Everybody just fuck up and walk up and pop me. Exactly. No, I that wouldn't. Would be so I wouldn't much last. Fun. Then I would just be some asshole wrapped in a bunch of plastic. It, well, if you're looking to shed weight, I mean, it might help. But yeah, yeah, fitness goals, yeah. I don't know. All right, so um, <laughs> Pump Junior, one more time. Tell me how they find him on social media. Uh, so it is at David Ludwig on Instagram, David Ludwig Jr. on Facebook, and DavidLudvig.com for his website. He's getting a semi right now because he's pumping himself up because you're pumping him up so good. He doesn't do it for himself. and he, For sure. And I, and I love that about him. But God bless, that man is amazing. Yeah. He is one of the best skydivers in the world. Absolutely. The best. To have overcome uh, such adversity. Yeah. I mean, he's what, three foot nine? He's five foot seven and a half. <laughs> you hang, you're hanging on to that half inch more than he is, aren't you? <laughs> he makes up for it in other places. I have no complaints. I don't need to know that. <laughs> I've spent more time I with that with man the than size you have. Of his smile, the size of his smile, of Dean. Course. Where did your brain go? Straight Nasty. to his, straight to his crotch. Why would that happen? <laughs> I've spent a lot you of time. You have Junior's dick on your brain. <sighs> what does that mean? <laughs> I was see. I was gonna say. <laughs> 
I was going to take it one step Holy further, shit, but I'm going to let it go. Was the fucking pilot rendered speechless no, for a no, second and a I, half? No, no, I was actually trying to, I was going to just cork off and decided maybe I probably shouldn't. Okay, that's probably yeah, a good thing. Yeah, I was going to let it go even further. That's for off-mic stuff. That's All for right. off-mic stuff. The you dodging people, cock tours, we're not going to talk. You people can just think that. whatever you want. Junior, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so <laughs> say somebody wants to know about uh, about your 50-state uh, journey and they want to try and do it themselves. Can they find out about you? Can they get a hold of you social yeah, media-wise? for sure. You can find me. So there's an old blog. It's on Tumblr. It's temptfato one uh, and then same thing goes on online on, you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook, Nicole Ludwig Jr. Or Nicole Ludwig Jr., Lord have mercy. Nicole Smith Ludwig is my name. Um, yeah, you can find me there if you ever want to know anything about how to do it, what I did, how I navigated the the, the states that don't have drop zones and finding pilots and all that garbage, please send me a message. There have been, at this point, I believe... There have been 19 people now that have completed skydiving awesome. the states, and there's two people. It is Harry and um, Betty Moore. These guys are the two that are keeping all of the records for the people that have done the skydiving trip. Awesome. Uh, and they also are a wealth of information. I wish I had met them early, early on in my journey. Um, like I said, they're a wealth of information. Cool. But yeah, it is not that difficult to do. Um, it is a commitment, but it is so much fun and God knows the amount of people, the great people that you're going to meet, uh, is worth it all. Well, another badass goal. And then, uh, uh, of course, if you manage to do all 50 States and you're still hungry, there's some other continents out there. There are for sure. Actually, Junior and I were just talking about this today. Maybe we're going to make that a couple goal, go and do it again. I would love to do the journey again now that I have the experience that I have in the sport because sure, it sure. would be completely different. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hopefully people some will take some uh, inspiration from it and go either try that or set their own little goals in the Should. sport or anything. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been great. Cool. Glad to have you. Thanks for having really me. Really glad you took the time to sit down, go um, back to the, the man, pat him on the head and, and yeah. tuck him in and, you know, I will. Um, put him in his little jammies and... <laughs> And uh, uh, we will see Gandalf and Frodo at the end of the month. That's right. It's fucking awesome. (laughs) All right. Blue skies. All right. Blue skies. See See you.